Okay, I got a question. Do, do any of you guys have New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand if you did. Raise your hand if you did. No shame, no shame, no shame. Raise your hand if you don't have any New Year's resolutions. Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Okay, raise your hand if you're like, I just don't do the New Year's resolution thing. I just changed my life, like, on the, on the fly. Raise your hand. Okay, nice. Um, well, this message is all about New Year's resolutions. I'm just kidding. Um, I will actually give you a little tidbit on my, my mindset with New Year's, resolu New Year's resolutions. Um, I would say, uh, I heard this uh, from a leadership training, and basically, he kind of talks about how many years we come in kind of hard, and we go, oh, I want to do X, Y, and Z, this, 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 and this. That's really, really good, um, but many times we need to focus more, less on what we want to do, and more on who we want to become, or who God's calling us to be. So my encouragement for you specifically in this new year and specifically with this house is to steward who God's called you to become. And so whether that's a list of like, you know, I want to read the Bible. Do you want to read the Bible or do you want to become a man of God? Those are the type of questions we need to be asking. And then um, and then the other, my other second tip as we go into the new year is focus less on what you want to do and more on how you're going to do it. What's your plan of execution? How are you going to accomplish that? What are, your, what are the practical steps to reaching that goal? And I guarantee you, you'll hit your goal if you do those two things. Um, and then I'll say one more thing. I'm a huge advocate for making goals, setting out to do them. I, I, I personally love it. I get so much drive and excitement when I look at things to go after, and I just... I just kind of go crazy and I just like go a little bit too hard sometimes. But um, but what I will say is I have goals and then I have peripheral goals. And so I encourage you guys, this might be something you want to write down. There's many things in life that I think are going to be peripheral goals. And then there's going to be like some major goals. And this really simplified it for me. Instead of focusing on like a list of 20 or a list of 10, focus on one or two for the year. And what I do is I don't, I don't make them a yearly goal. It's a life-changing decision. So make one or two major life-changing decisions that will change your body, soul, or spirit. So then by the time, <clears throat> how many of you guys are around 20 years old? Raise your hand. So then by the time you're 40, you'll have 20 or up to, up to 40 new major life-changing decisions. So for example... If you just pick one and you just go at it, you'll get really good at it. For example, like if you're married, <clears throat> something you might want to do is say, this year I'm going to pray every day with my wife. You make that one decision with your wife, that's going to change the course of your entire marriage. And so that's what I'm saying is we want to find these specific things that make life altering, make a life altering difference. And so... Um, for me specifically, last year, um, the Lord told me uh, I didn't I didn't do perfect at it, but uh, workout and no caffeine. <laughs> Colby's laughing. <laughs> um, and that was that was the two things, and then the other one was was sugar, um, and no sugar. Um, just eat tons of sugar. <laughs> just so much sugar. Um, 
But all that being said is that really changed my life. Last year's the first uh, first time I applied like three major components to my life and it changed the way I think, mental clarity, and um, I can truly tell you, you can know how I'm doing spiritually based on how I'm doing physically because your body and your soul and your spirit are tied. If you know anything about your temple, it's a real thing. It's, it's absolutely real. So... Anyways, that's my two cents on New Year's resolutions. I just thought you, my opinions might maybe slightly matter, but probably not. So um, I'm going to move on to the message. Y'all ready? Um, okay, so I'm going to kind of give – I felt like for this new year, we kind of need to understand the prophetic storyline that we're standing in in this year, specifically with Fireplace and the Jesus Mission. Um, and – I'm going to just back all the way up, even before I was born. And I want to talk about my parents. Pastor Scott and Pastor Sarah, raise your hands if you're here. I can't even see if they're here. Where did they go? Is Dad back behind stage? I don't know. There's Mom. Pastor Sarah and Pastor Scott. There they are. Raise your hand. Come on up here. Let's honor them. dad and they're the pastors here at Harvest Sound and um, I'm incredibly grateful for you guys and um, I just wanted to share that they my dad he moved here from Canada and he felt the call to join the Christian music industry um, actually got to the top of the Christian music industry at the time and um, saw all the corruption in it while meeting my mom at the same time, which my mom was in an arranged marriage with another guy because of Indian tradition, by the way. Not married. Not married. Not married. Not married. <laughs> uh, it's a wild story. If you want to hear the little story, I know this it sounds bad, doesn't it? Um, but, oh, check, check. Okay, that's different, isn't it? Um, and uh, dad felt from the Lord, mom mom was uh, his wife, and he intercepted that mess, and, um, <laughs> yeah, God arranged their marriage, and praise God for, praise God for, because I'm here, so, um, in all of that, dad saw the corruption in the Christian music industry, and um, actually even had a friend commit suicide because of it and ended up just saying, I quit the Christian music industry. What are we doing? We play songs all over the world, but we don't do the stuff that Jesus said to take care of the least of these, to feed the poor, to preach the gospel. And they just begin to say yes. They said yes to this, this building. They bought it 30 years ago, same building. 30 years ago, all around you was the worst part of Nashville. Drugs, prostitution, gang banging. Like, literally, like, if you were white, you just don't come around there. Because, like, not even, not even the pizza man would deliver pizza in the area. It was, it was literally that bad. And uh, they said yes to serving the poor, serving the inner city. Yeah. And yes. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise God. Man. Yes. I like his energy. Come on. Um, and they said yes. And um, out of that, they ended up being faithful here and doing worship here every Friday night. 
literally every Friday night, there has been worship going on in this building for 30 years. So what you're, what you're stepping into here is not, you're not just coming into a, a new ministry fireplace or, or whatever. You're stepping into 30 years of a well that's been dug. I mean, how many of you guys, your first time in here just literally felt something different? Raise your hand high. That's not coincidence. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit permeating this place. And I just I just want to honor them. Can we just honor them for their yes? Yes. 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 sacrificed, the people that have bled, people that have have plowed and pioneered before us, and I just think it's so important that we honor those that have gone before us. Um, so I just want to honor my parents, but basically my story is I grew up right here, literally in this building, seeing God move, seeing signs, wonders, and miracles, seeing the Lord like turn around this whole inner city area just because of their faithfulness. They did 10 years of inner city work and literally raised up a whole generation that loves Jesus and it's no longer that anymore. And so literally, my upbringing was wild. It just, seeing, I was, I was dragged around as a kid, as a missions kid, going all over, all over the world, seeing signs, wonders, miracles from a young age. And then when I was about uh, tw uh, 12 years old, I just completely rebelled from my parents. Wanted nothing to do with what they were doing, nothing to do with the ministry, or like I'm not called to ministry or what, whatever. And I just, I just rebelled. Lied, cheated, steal, lust out my life. And I just, I just was um, prideful, arrogant, so selfish. Believe it or not, I was hanging out with drug dealers. A lot of you didn't know that, but literally, that was that was my life. And um, there was one guy while I was in high school, while I was going through that, who loved me like Jesus. And when he loved me like Jesus, when he graduated, I was still in high school. And I knew that all I wanted to do was to be like him. And the reason I realized I wanted to be like him is because he lived like Jesus. And so I gave the Lord everything. And when I gave the Lord everything, we started a Bible study at our house with just a friend and I. And we were like, we're going to do a Bible study. We're just going to get in the word. And we're not going to do any worship. We're not going to do any snacks. We're not going to do any, any hype. Like, we're just going to get in the word. And... Um, it just blew up. People just became hungry for the word of God. We'd pack out a room, maybe about this size right here, of like 60 people in my living room. If you've ever seen my living room, it's tiny. So <laughs> we just pack them, just stack them on top of each other. And, um, and literally, people just begin to flood our house. Long story short, I was given the uh, most influential position in my high school at the time. And um, and I knew this was an opportunity to bring Jesus into the school. And so, long story short, I had a dream. Lord, would we do worship after our, one of our rival football games? I get a call from a rival school, and he says, hey, you wouldn't believe this. We were on our school spirit bus heading back from our football game. We were playing some trash music, and then we turned on the song Oceans 
the Holy Spirit broke out on the bus and everyone started weeping. And he said, I think we need to do worship after our rival football game. And I was like, dude, literally, that's exactly what the Lord told me. And I was like, why don't we reach out to every school leader in, the, in Williamson County and see if they all want to unite for a worship night after our rival football game. So we all meet each other from rival schools for the first time. And we basically put out the date, the time, and the location of the event, but we didn't say what it was at all. So everyone was one, so we put it out on social media, said Wilco United, stands for Williamson County United, and it said 10.30 p.m. at Church of the City. And literally everyone was wondering what's going down from all these rival school leaders at 10.30 p.m. on a Friday night. Everyone thought it was a fight. <laughs> and so literally it ended up being one of the number one trending hashtags on, in our region because so many people were wondering what was going on. And then we put out a poll to see how many students would come. We said yes, no, or maybe if you're coming. We added up the yeses and the maybes, and it said around four to 600. So then we ended up, what's going on? Hello. So then we ended up adding, adding the yeses and the maybes, and it'd be four to 600. We asked Church of the City, we said, hey, can we not have the youth room? Can you give us the main auditorium? And they were like, yeah, sure, whatever. So they gave it to us. And comes the night, 1,600 high school students come for worship, prayer, students get healed, saved, delivered. And every month, my entire senior year, over 1,000 students were gathered for these events. And out of that, I remember all I wanted at that, well, all I wanted at first, the first two years of my high school was to be popular and girls to like me. Terrible desires, by the way. Don't recommend it. It leads to nothing. And then... Um, and then after that, all I desired was to love God and be a, and run D1 track. That's all I wanted. And, um, and maybe be a pilot. It sounded cool. Um, and then, <laughs> it is cool. I still kind of want to, anyways. <laughs> so, um, so, we ended up throwing these events and then I preached the gospel at, I think, the second or the third event. And I knew something in me had shifted. I knew that as soon as I grabbed that mic and I just began to preach the death, the resurrection, the new life in Jesus Christ, that I was like, oh, shoot, my whole life is about to change. Yeah, buddy. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And I knew that I was called to preach the gospel for the rest of my life, whether it's face-to-face -face or in front of people, it didn't matter. Come on. And that's when I knew everything shifted. I knew I wasn't going to go to college like everyone else was. I went and did a few different ministry schools. I did circuit riders. I did Harvest Sound School. And then I did, which all, all of you need to come to the intensive. Yeah. We got our intensive dance. How many of you guys love the intensive? So we actually have a one-week school. I'm just, I'm just Unashamedly going to share about the intensive program. So we just locked in our intensive dates. It's May 15th to the 21st. It's one week and it will change your life. And I guarantee it, actually. It's amazing. 100% guarantee it. It's unbelievable. We stay at a five-star retreat and we just go after the presence of God and do missions in our city. And it's so much fun. And how many of you guys love the intensive? And, um... I just encourage you to sign up because we haven't even put it out yet, but you're going to want to get your spot yes. um, because we have limited spots and we were maxed out last year. Yeah.
Um, okay, that's my shameless plug on the intensive. Um, so I did all these different ministry schools. Then I did YWAM, um, Youth of the Mission in Kona, Hawaii. And um, when I was there, I my heart was stirred. My heart was stirred in a new way, in a fresh way. I really encountered the Lord and, and learned intimacy with God in, in a new and deep way. And we were actually at the Send. My my class was hosting the Send. And that if you don't know what the Send is, it's arena gatherings, calling people into missions. And so literally, picture this, 60,000 people in Orlando, Florida, going after the presence of God and then just literally getting sent wherever the Lord tells them to go. Like some people literally would just book a plane ticket that day to like Nepal or Mozambique and like just go and just say, Lord, I'm giving you like the next 10 years of my life in the nations. And I was at the send. I was in in Fire and Fragrance, YWAM DTS, and I was like, Lord, I cannot wait till you send me to Nepal. I am so excited to just go and die for the gospel, and no one will ever know my name. It'll be so awesome. And then, believe it or not, controversial, I'm just going to say his name because the anointing on his life. Benny Hen. Benny Hen said, come Holy Spirit in that arena. And when he said, come Holy Spirit, Literally, wind came into the arena, and when the wind hit my face, I saw the Lord put a torch in my hand, and he said, I'm not calling you to the nations, I'm calling you back to Nashville as a missionary for your own city. And I was like, no, what? <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> and, and then, right out of that, I began to think of Nashville, I began to think of this city, and I was like, man, Nashville's an incredible city. So many people are moving here. I think we have like 20,000 Californians moving every month. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'll tell you what, the harvest is right. The harvest is right. And literally, I was thinking about all the prophetic words over Nashville, just all the people coming together. We have some of the greatest city unity ever amongst the churches, which honestly, my parents have been a huge part of pioneering that for 30 years. Um, and I was like, man, this is an incredible city. The worship movement is sparking out of Nashville. But I was like, I couldn't think of a single place where you can weekly get equipped in how to share your faith and go and preach the gospel. And I felt the Lord just put on my heart. He said, start a ministry called Fireplace. Or I talked to my dad. I think we came up with the name together. And... Um, Dad was like, what if you did worship with the first set and worship here on Friday nights and then you do practical training and go out on the streets? Excuse me. And and I said, and I was like, that sounds amazing. And personally, it was for me personally just to keep the flame of evangelism alive in my own life. Yes. Truthfully, guys, people think like I'm some insane evangelist. I do not feel like that. I have only, the only reason I have so many incredible stories, and you probably go, oh my gosh, he's an incredible evangelist, is because I've literally been doing this every day, not every day, but trying to live it every day for about six years. And the most consistent thing that's held me in that place is fireplace, because <laughs> I have to be here every Friday. <laughs> and, and literally, I, it's, it's real, that's right, it's real. And I'll tell you what, 
Fireplace has been such a, a blessing to my life um, because it has truly kept the Great Commission at the forefront of my life, which I needed. I need that, and I, I continually need that, and we all need it. And um, so we, we begin to dream about Fireplace. A few friends and I would start going. People start hearing stories about on the streets. More and more people wanted to start coming. And then while I went to YWAM, Wilco United had died down. Like Wilco United, it went on for two years, and no one was left to lead it. I had a friend that was going to lead it, and then he just didn't end up doing it. So... It was Wilco United, the high school movement was dead. I come back to Nashville, I'm like, what's going on in the city? And find out that there's all these raves that were happening in the high school. They were throwing these parties, and people were just going crazy. And it was like the scripture that talks about when you have a clean house, and the spirit comes in seven times stronger. So what happened is we saw the Lord do amazing uh, movements. We saw a revival in high school, and the, the house was clean. But the spirit came in seven times stronger with, with raves, truthfully. And so we found these two guys that are throwing these parties. Long story short, we reached out to them. We felt led by the Holy Spirit to ask if we preach the gospel at the end of their raves. They ended up saying yes. It's almost like God sent you to us. We're actually looking for purpose within our raves. And um, we shared about how people are coming to your raves to forget about their home, forget about their families, forget about their workplace. Um, but they're not getting healed, and the only thing that brings healing is Jesus Christ. And they were like, yes, let's do it. I said, get, I said, tell you what, we'll bring 50 people to your raid if we can preach the gospel at the end of your raid. Now, these 50 people are a trained evangelists with fireplace. <laughs> so, literally, we are like, we'll pay at the door. That's $1,000 for you guys, because it was also a business proposition. And then um, they said yes. Long story short, we ended up getting an incredible venue, working with Rocket Town, another organization. Another organization actually wanted the venue on the same day, and it was another rave that was willing to pay for the venue, which we weren't going to pay because Colby's dad put us up with Rocket Town, praise God. And, um, and Caitlin's, by the way. <laughs> and, um, and another rave, another rave wanted the venue on the exact same day. And turns out it was Crave, and it's act, they actually stand for Christian Rave, and they actually travel across the country and preach the gospel into the raves. So literally, it was we all joined together. Comes the night, a thousand students come and f- preach the gospel, and four hundred to five hundred students give their life to Jesus that night. <laughs> totally God, totally God, only by God's grace. And then, out of that, we actually relaunched Wilco United, had an event that very next Friday, a follow-up event, and 650 students come, and another 300 give their lives to Jesus. Wow. Not only that, this is, this is a much more sad but redemptive story. The leader of those raves was a high school student, and that falling asleep at the wheel, passed away. And Colby and I... And his dad, we had the privilege of leading him to the Lord two months before he passed. And ended up getting to preach the gospel at his funeral, and a thousand people responded to Jesus. And so we just begin to see God do thing after thing after thing. And out of this house, we've just, it's been a journey. And we've been going out on the streets every Friday, we've seen unbelievable things. We've been able to host incredible teams. Like Circuit Riders, Power and Love with Todd White, 
take, we took the Think organization out on the streets in November, we had like 350 out on the streets. We've had um, power, we've, we've uh, trained some of the biggest megachurch, one of the biggest megachurches here in our city in evangelism, took them all out on the streets during their lunch break. <laughs> like literally God is, God is doing so much right now in this city. And I share all this to say is I believe that we're standing in a prophetic storyline of what God is doing. I believe we're just at the very, very beginning of what God wants to do in this city. And uh, it was actually in 2020 when we were having a fireplace here, and there was another leader named Seth Randall, and I leaned over to him, and actually it was in 2019, right before, 2019, right before 2020, we were praying into a word for 2020, and I saw a vision of Nashville. And as I saw Nashville, I saw Nashville literally a ghost town. Like, I saw tumbleweeds in the streets. Like, the Lord was just making it so clear that this city was a ghost town. And I was like, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? And what I heard the Lord say, and I literally saw Broadway. There's not, a, like, a soul on the streets. Like, all the bars were empty. And I said, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? And he said, there's going to be a great drying the city of Nashville before there's a great filling, and once there's a great filling, there'll be a great outpouring. Whoa. But first there has to be a great drying, and that drying is a drying up of false fulfillment. Whoa. And so the Lord called me personally to a fast to dry up all false fulfillment in my life, and that's my encouragement tonight to you guys. I believe that we're standing in a time where God is getting ready to pour out His Spirit on this place on this city, on this, on this region. And I want to ask you today, what false fulfillment is in your life? And what do you need to cut out so that you can step into the fullness and that the outpour of the Holy Spirit, you can be a pure vessel, that the flow of the Lord can move through your life. And so we get this word, and I leaned over to, I get this word, I leaned over to my friend, and he, I said, what did you see? Because I, I tapped on him and said, why don't you pray? We're going to pray into a word for the new year. And he saw a pure river that was flowing through the city of Nashville. And he said, I saw this pure river, and it was coming through Broadway. And then it was going out into the streets in the greater region and into the nations. And what he saw was the filling that I, I, I had heard from the Holy Spirit, that there was going to be a great filling. And we were like, okay, Lord. This is, this is incredible. So we go into 2020, bring this, bring this word, and just, I felt so clear from the Lord, the Lord, I said, I said, I literally believe that Broadway will become a ghost town, and there will be no one on the streets, and the bars will be empty. Just said it out of faith. I said, I believe what God is doing in the spiritual is going to manifest in the physical. Wow. Said that in 2020, three months later, COVID hits. Dad, tapped, dad basically tapped me on the shoulder and was like, that word you gave. Like, remember when you prophesied that the streets were going to be empty and there was going to be no one down there? It's, it's happening. We're standing in it. And then dad, praise, praise God to his leadership, gave the marching orders. was like, we need to go down to the streets and fill the streets with worship. So we all, a, a small crew of us, if you were there, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you were there. Evan and Colby, let's go. <laughs> Evan and Colby are OGs. They're top, top G leaders. Um, 
Anyways, so literally, we go into the streets, and actually, the whole Harbor Sound staff was there too, which was dope. And we go into the streets, we fill with worship. It was literally like a ghost town, like out of a movie scene. There's one guy down there, and, and you've probably heard him sing. He's African American dude, and he sings, has like just this raspy voice, and he was singing, What a Wonderful World. He's down there every time we walk down there, he's down there. I think it's kind of prophetic. Anyways, um, and uh, we go down there, we do worship, and then dad gets a, a word to rent the Ryman Auditorium and do, was it 48 hours, dad? Uh, yeah, two days. Two days. Two days. Yeah. Two days, 24, two days 24, hours of worship. 24 hours of worship, 12 hours each day. Non-stop. It was a live stream event, and he has always heard over the city of Nashville, AMC. It's not Music City. It's AMC, Anointed Music City. And so, what the Lord brought in His heart was to fill the city, fill the city with pure anointed music. And so, for two days straight, people from all over the nation. Well-known and not well-known, it didn't matter. It was about the heart. Just to release a sound of anointed music, worship to the Lord, in, in all sorts of genres. Not just your classic Christian music, upper room. All sorts. We had country, bluegrass. We had rap. We had all sorts of things. But all that being said, I believe that was our, our stance. To take and say, Lord, we're responding what you're saying over this city. And when the Lord called me to Nashville, okay, this is this this one's just gonna go long. This message is gonna go long. I'm sorry guys. I'm usually huge on keeping time, but tonight this is important. Um I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a drink. For your neighbor. How about that? I'm just kidding, don't do that. <laughs> um <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so what I what I felt over this city when I felt called back here as a missionary for the city was I began to dream of the city and I heard the Lord I heard the Lord so clearly say Lord what do you want me to do. And, it, and I was reminded of Joshua. When God tells Joshua, he says, how long will you wait to take the land the Lord has promised you? Yeah. And he says, go out and take it. All these prophetic words, all these promises over the city of Nashville, how long are we going to stay in our conferences and just prophesy? Whoa. How long are we going to just keep talking about the word? How long are we just going to keep... Praying into it. Although that's so good. Go out and take the land the Lord has promised you. Focus less on what you're going to do, but how you're going to do it. There you go. Tied in New Year's. <laughs> so, he said, go out and take it, and one of the most violent acts you can take against the kingdom of darkness is the bold proclamation of the gospel. If you want to take land, you have to go with frontline warfare. And that's the bold proclamation of the gospel. 
And so we just begin to say yes. And that doesn't mean there's an army every Friday. There's many. There's been many, many nights where it was just a few of us. It was just 10 of us sometimes. And man, I'll tell you what. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Few is promised when it comes to laborers. It is promised. I believe that's, that might be one of the major reasons why in the American church, evangelism isn't the norm. Is because we've measured success by numbers. And so we just made a commitment. We said whether it's 10 of us, 100 of us, 1,000 of us, we're going to go. And guess what? The laborers are still few. There's so much need. So we just begin to say yes. And the Lord showed me so clearly. He said to me so clearly, he said, Daniel, if you steward where you are, you'll have authority where you'll go. And Acts 1.8 says you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. First in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. This is our Jerusalem. Nashville, Tennessee. This is our Jerusalem. The Lord showed me the power of missional commitment. To put your feet in the ground and say, I'm not going to leave until there's breakthrough. And it's just been a testimony. We've just seen God do incredible, incredible things with Fireplace. We've seen him do unbelievable testimonies on the streets. And I believe that we're coming into a season where Things are going to look differently this year, in a good way. And when I say a good way, I believe that Nashville will become one of the greatest mission-sending cities. I truly believe that. That was a word that actually I felt in my spirit, and I actually said it once on a fire on a fireplace night. And then three months later, Andy Bird, who's over over. Fire and Fragrance and part of YWAM Kona and it's over the Seine that's coming. He comes to me, I go into a meeting and he says, I want to submit this word to you that Nash will be one of the greatest mission sending cities. And something that we say here is that it would, uh, that something that we say here is it would be Nashville to the nations. And I believe that we're standing in a prophetic moment right now with the Seine. With the Seine being here, with them coming to Nashville. And I got sent out of, out of the first send in Orlando. And I truly believe that Nashville will become one of the greatest mission sending cities. And I believe there is a pure river that's coming over this city. And there will be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit over this city. You know, my dad says this. Um, he says there's a grace for unity. On the front lines of obedience to Jesus' words, the Great Commission. And I believe that there is going to be so much unity around just the simple words of Jesus, Mark 16, 15, to go into all the world and to preach the good news to all creation. I believe people are going to come, even from the nations, to Nashville to get equipped, trained, and sent to the nations. The nations are going to be coming here. They already are. 
But God is getting ready to move in an unprecedented way with an evangelistic movement. I believe it's going to be birthed. And I believe it will be a lot of our generation that's going to be paving the way. It'll be, it'll be multi-generational, but, but I'll tell you, boots in the ground weekly is going to be the next generation. And so I believe God's turning the tide over the city. I believe that fireplace is an essential piece as just a pioneer movement. We may never get any credit, and we don't need it. Praise God. There may be organizations that come in and go way beyond what we ever ever did or do, and we're gonna we're just gonna praise the Lord for that. Yeah. But we're gonna stay faithful to who we are, faithful to who God's called us to be. And my encouragement to you today is I I want us all to come into alignment with this word to dry up false fulfillment in our lives. And to, and to build a life of sustainable intimacy and evangelism. Intimacy with God and evangelism. The reason I say that is we have, I truly believe that evangelism is an overflow of intimacy. I think we've separated the two. But the reality is, is if we stay at his feet, we'll go where his feet go. And I believe that's where the Lord is calling us today. And I truly believe that with the send coming, with what's about to happen at Bridgestone, we're standing in a strong prophetic moment. And I think this is something that we all need to be pressing into. Not just an event that we attend, but an understanding like the sons of Issachar that understood the times of their men. And I truly believe that we're, we're living in the last days. And if you don't believe we're living in the last days, Peter said it first. And he said it in the book of Acts, he said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. And if that was the last days, you better believe we're in the last days. Amen. And I believe, but I, I believe we're living in the best of days where the harvest is ripe. And we're going to see a great, great harvest in the city. And so I say all that to say, God's on the move. And we're part of his story. And we all have a specific role to play. You know, every person's role in the body of Christ is absolutely essential. Every person. You know how you sustain revival? You know how revival is sustained? The power of the Holy Spirit and someone who can sweep the floors and change the toilet paper. Yeah. Literally. Some of you guys are crying out for revival. Lord, use me for revival. What if your role is to change the toilet paper for 14 days straight while it's just, just there's an outpouring and to sweep the floor? Come on now. Let's go. Let's go. Radical server right there. Let's go. I love it. And and what if what if what if you knew that in your heart that was God's assignment in your life was yeah, you weren't the one preaching. Maybe you didn't you didn't get crazy touched, but you're able to say, I, I sustained the and no one would ever know. 
I cleaned the toilets during the Asbury Revival. I did, by the way. <laughs> what, if, what if it was said of you that, yeah, I just made sure everyone could get in the door. And I, I truly believe that we have to live a life laid down completely, drying out false fulfillment, staying intimate, intimacy with Jesus, Get with God, okay? There's something to put on a New Year's resolution. Say, I want to become intimate with God. And then do it. Like, just don't, don't, I just encourage you, don't miss the mark on that. It is not something to play around with. It is for real. You need time in the presence of God. You need time in His Spirit. You need time to hear His voice. Like, don't, I love when people are here, but don't come here without knowing him. Don't. Come get, come get filled up. Stay for the second set. Don't go out on the streets with us. We have a second set of worship every time we dismiss for the streets. Like, ultimately, just do whatever the Lord calls you to do, but Spend time with him in the secret place. I love what dad said. He said, shut the door, spend time with him, and then spend time with him enough to where you slam the door and go out and preach the gospel. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and so I just want to pray that we would come into alignment with what the Lord is doing. There's all things and things that we're going through People are in different stages and phases, and there's hard things and things. You're some of you are like this is like way beyond like what I'm going through in the day to day. That's so real, but I still believe even in your pain, it's part of his storyline, part of his greater storyline. And so I'm just gonna pray. And honestly, if you if you feel if you feel a stirring in your heart tonight for the city of Nashville, I just want you to stand up. Spirit, we just invite you. We just invite you, Holy Spirit. You're good. Father, you said you should have no other gods before me. Father, I pray anything that's false fulfillment in our lives, Lord, we just root it out. Root it out of us, Lord. May there be nothing that replaces our satisfaction in you. Lord, you and you alone, you're everything. You are everything. Lord, I pray that you would take us into a deep place with the Holy Spirit in the secret place. Lord, that it would not be neglected. It would not be on the back burner or, or second place, Lord. You would be the one thing on our hearts, Lord. You'd be the one thing. Lord, I pray that out of this place of intimacy with you, Lord, we overflow. Overflow into evangelism. Overflow with the heart of God. We get your heart, Lord. 
So Holy Spirit, we just invite you. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. And Lord, we just honor the send coming to Nashville. I just pray, Jesus, Lord, you'd pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit over this city, Jesus. Pour it out. Pour it out. We need to move the Holy Spirit, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. And Lord, we just pray over the streets of Nashville, Lord, that they'd be filled with a pure river that flows into the greater region, into the nations, Lord. And we pray that Nashville be one of the greatest mission-sending cities. But Lord, start with us. Start with us, Lord. Mark people tonight that are called for this city. Mark people tonight that are that are called to go out and preach the gospel. Mark people tonight to specific areas, regions, people, Lord, to just say yes, to stay planted. And so, Jesus, we just give you our yes tonight. We give you our yes afresh. We surrender afresh to you. Our life is not our own. And we just say, come, Holy Spirit. We thank you for how good you are. We thank you for your mercy and your grace over our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.